Well, it's uh, five o'clock then here in Salford. How's your Wednesday been? Are you well? It's been a bit blustery here in the great city. Bit of rain on the way tomorrow. Floods and stuff, they're telling us. Not in Salford, but elsewhere. It is at the BBG with you till seven o'clock. Your Richie Allen radio show live with two brilliant guests. Thanks for finding me. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen show. Live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Now, Candice got in touch with me via email overnight to tell me about her friend Amy. Amy is very involved in the protests outside schools where vaccination might be taking place for children, where children might be being vaccinated, the 12 to 15 year olds. You've heard a lot about this lately. The health secretary, Sajid Javid, accused some of the protesters of physically harming children. I'll be speaking with Amy. She is an empathetic, critically thinking mother on a mission to empower and educate those she meets, but most importantly, to educate and empower youngsters. She has been involved in protests at schools. Amy in the second hour will tell us more about that. Before that, though, Dr. Eric Naputi will be on. He's a chiropractor. This April, he became the first person in America to be prosecuted for allegedly publishing misinformation about the vaccines. He had his Facebook page deleted, too. He had more than half a million followers. I think he's a really interesting guy. Dr. Eric Naputi will be on the programme this hour. That is Wednesday's Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. Where it's grim and overcast, that's the default position for Salford. But it's good to be alive. I'm not going to bore the bejesus out of you talking about the budget. Sod the budget. I'm just going to sing four more days to Halloween, Silver, Shamrock, Halloween 3. Get it now on VHS. Sod the budget. Nothing to say about it. It's bollocks. Read about it on the BBC website if you choose. It's just lies, more lies, damned lies about levelling up, brighter futures, green budgets and the climate crisis. It's lies, I tells you, lies. It's just lies. I had a letter from Tony overnight. Let me read it for you. A letter, an email. But it read like a letter. He's good as Tony. Listen to this. Richie, I'm Tony. I'm a 62-year-old male from Glasgow. I was diagnosed with lung cancer in January 2009. The treatment included removing the top chamber of my right lung and three sessions of chemo. The operation was a complete success and I'm now cancer-free. As a consequence of the procedures and as time has went by, I now suffer from shortness of breath and my consultant, after a long function test approximately a year ago, my consultant referred me for pulmonary rehabilitation. Last July I was given a telephone consultation regarding this and was told I would then have a one-to-one meeting at the hospital to continue my treatment. I phoned the hospital about this a few days ago and was told an appointment letter was in the post. I received this letter today and it informed me that I could not attend the appointment if I was not double vaccinated. I phoned and the receptionist confirmed I would not be given access to the hospital to receive my treatment unless I was double vaccinated. 
I can forward the letter that also states this uh, to you, Richie. Uh, on the phone, I was told I couldn't attend because I was a danger to staff and the vulnerable in the hospital. Tony then, after receiving an email from from myself, sent me a copy of the letter. And yes, of course, he was telling the truth. He was told in the letter, don't show up to the hospital unless you're doubly jabbed. Don't show up for your pulmonary rehabilitation. Anyway, that was yesterday. Today, (coughs) excuse me, he got back to me and he said, Richie, I've just come off the phone to the pulmonary rehabilitation department. I called them back for more information and to complain. I was told this should not have happened. I was told this was an old procedure, which is nonsense. My wife is in tears in the other room as I composed the email. I took legal advice from solicitors yesterday. Uh, They were taken aback by the letter, although today's developments have maybe shed a different light on the matter. To be honest, I wasn't surprised by the letter, only surprised that it came so soon, as I believe this will be the norm in the very near future. The receptionist stroke nurse who I spoke to who told me yesterday that I couldn't come into the hospital unless I was doubly vaccinated as I was a risk to people at the hospital. Well, she wasn't available to talk today, Richie. Maybe she composed the letter that was sent to me. Anyhow, they have backtracked and have offered me an appointment in November. All's well that ends well, but this is very important and worth highlighting. (coughs) Excuse me for coughing. Very important because Tony has a bit of the confrontational gene in him, God bless him. And he's absolutely right to phone up and kick up a stink. So they've backtracked. But Tony made the point to me in a subsequent email that maybe not everybody is like him and people could lose their 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 appointments. People might end up not getting vital treatment because they are scared by letters telling them they must be doubly jabbed in order to be admitted to the hospital. This is a scandal, an absolute scandal. As I said, I have the letter. It's uh, Tony has redacted his address and stuff. So what I might do is wrap it into a little bit of a story and show you the letter on the website tomorrow. I didn't have time to do it today. Thank you, Tony. Thank you very much. Now, people are lying to get onto live radio shows. We don't like lies. Lies are not good. But if you are sick to death of hearing the COVID and the jab narrative on commercial or national radio stations and you want to get on to speak some truth, which you can't do if you tell them the truth, because if you phone up BBC Radio 5 Live, hello 5 Live, Celine speaking. How are you, Celine? Uh, the jabs are, are being shown in some places to be dangerous for people, and COVID-19 has been wildly exaggerated. Celine will say, well, we might get back to you to put you on the air. No chance. You'll never be put on the air. So some people are lying. You ring up, hi, hi, BBC Radio 5, it's Celine. How are you, Celine? I'm sick of these anti-vaxxers. <laughs> I'm sick of them. COVID is deadly, it's killing everybody. I'll put you straight through, sir. I'll put you straight through. And then when you get through, you, you go back to the original spiel and you tell them the jabs are dangerous for some people and, and that COVID is wildly exaggerated. Anyway, so some people are having success in doing that. Listen to this from Talk Radio last evening. A guy gets on. He says the COVID death toll is not credible 
and he gets dogs abuse from a guy called James Whale and his sidekick. They are terrified, the broadcasters, of allowing people on air to challenge the narrative. This is the conduct of national commercial radio presenters. Why are we bothering with the, the idiot? Why do you want yeah. to bother with All the, the evidence? Idiot. idiot. They're calling a caller, somebody who's listening to the programme. They are referring to him as an idiot. Evidence is out there, Dave. Go yeah. speak to doctors. Yeah. Yeah. But he's too thick so, today. You're only looking at the incident. James Whale says he's too thick. Yeah. He's talking rubbish. You just right, listen okay to then. If, all right, I'm talking rubbish. Do one thing to me then, just one thing. Not look one thing. I wouldn't call. do a thing for you. I would not do one thing for look, you because people like you really annoy me. John So he's referring to John O'Looney. He's a funeral director for Milton Keynes who has gone on the record. In fact, the very first programme he spoke to was this programme to say that guys like him are being encouraged to falsify information about COVID deaths. So he's trying to speak about John O'Looney. Can't have that. John O'Looney? No, we're not calling a loony. Don't be ridiculous. He never said that, did he? No. You see, you always find one person, but just speak to your general doctors. Or are they all in on it? Where is Ofcom? Listen to me. Don't, you know, don't talk over me. Let let me speak. I've come in. Good man. Goodbye, you're an idiot. No, because I don't want people like you talking about conspiracy theories and then compromising the health of those people who actually may be listening, who may be taken in by your stupid and idiotic views. Cost people their lives. Well, that's kind of hypocritical, isn't it? Because if he's so idiotic and so stupid and so sick, well, who would be taken in by his views? You see? You see? Bit silly there, uh, James Whale. But this is standard now. So I, I like the fact that people are doing a little bit of skullduggery to get on the air, but this is the treatment you can expect when you do get on the air, sadly. Ah, well. Over on Sky News, Kay Burley, the Ginger Ninja, was speaking to her regular GP guest, a guy called Dr David Lloyd. Now, dear listener, have you noticed that the calls for pregnant women to be jabbed have become nothing short of relentless, absolutely relentless, haven't they, in recent days? Why won't they leave pregnant women alone? There's nothing more healthy than a pregnant woman with her big rosy cheeks on her and her big baby bump. Gorgeous, right? Healthy, right? Let her eat fruits and salads and let her eat whatever she wants because she knows best. But they want to jab the absolute living bejesus out of pregnant women. And David Lloyd, well, have a listen. And I don't know whether you're going to ask me about the next at-risk group that I'm very worried about, but I'll say it anyway. Um, 15% of pregnant women have been vaccinated, which is a terribly low figure. Um, we've really got to get women vaccinated who are pregnant because we've got a, uh, they, they really are at risk. Uh, and they've got a, they've got a, a race because, of course, their, their riskiest time is when they're coming up to delivery. So they've got to get in two jabs. They have to leave two months apart, and then their immunity takes a couple of weeks to hit it. So unless they get jabbed early on in their pregnancy, by the time they get to the end of their pregnancy, they may not be fully protected. So we've really got to encourage every pregnant woman in England to get vaccinated as soon as possible with the first two uh, so that we can get them all uh, immune against this horrible virus. Horrible virus. And they're terrified, many of them, aren't they? They think, I'm not putting anything in my body because I'm looking after this baby for the nine months that they're inside of me. And they think about things like thalidomide and goodness knows what else. Well, well done, Kay. You almost did your job there. Yes, of course, they're quite rightly terrified about sticking things in their body. They've already had something stuck in their body. They're pregnant. They don't want anything else stuck in their body. 
unless they know 100% chapter and verse what it is and what it is meant to do and what the combination of ingredients might do. Good girl, Kay, what did he say to that? Well, I think you're right. I think that there there is always that concern. Doctors have concerns too. We don't want to try new drugs and new things on pregnant women and they don't get... They don't get what? We don't want to try new drugs and new things on pregnant women? But that's exactly what you're advocating. New things on pregnant... What? <laughs> what? I mean, this is hilarious stuff, really, isn't it? Try new drugs and new things on pregnant women and they don't get, they don't get involved in research trials. They don't get involved in research trials? But this is one massive trial, isn't it? These treatments are still in trial, Dr. David Lloyd. Surely you know that. Hence, pregnant women are saying, no, you can stick it up your own arse. How about them apples? No, thank you. Me and baby will be fine. Thank you very much. What a liar. We don't want to trial new drugs on pregnant women. Wow. But really, we've got a lot of data now from pregnant women all over the world. No, you don't. You have no long-term data. This COVID vaccine is completely safe in pre- pregnancy. And pregnant women and their children are, are not going to be affected by the vaccine. And it could be life-saving. We're talking about really making an enormous difference to quite a lot of women. It could be life-saving. Then he realises, David Lloyd, he realises, wow, I'm on Sky News. I can go one step further. I don't need to be pussyfooting around about it could cause you harm. It might cause the pregnant mother some sort of adverse health risk. That's COVID, by the way. Um, I can just tell outrageous lies. Listen to this. And if David Lloyd or somebody who knows David Lloyd is listening, pass it on. Because if I'm wrong, I am libeling him. He is a liar. Listen to this. Uh, There are women dying of COVID and their children are dying and their babies are dying because of it. What? Say that again. Uh, There are women dying of COVID and their children are dying and their babies are dying because of it. There are women dying of COVID and their children are dying and their babies are dying because of it. That's just a lie. That's a lie, that. We must get them vaccinated. There were mixed messages to begin with. There were some doctors and some midwives that, that had mixed feelings about it. But the message is absolutely clear now. We really must get pregnant women vaccinated. So, if you Why are they so desperate to vaccinate pregnant women and young children? Think about it now. Think about it. Yes, you've got it. I think I've got it too. I think people like John Waters, I think people like Paul Craig Roberts, I think people like Bacti, like Dolores Cahill and many others are right. This is a call, this, isn't it? What else can you call it? You know, if it looks like a, a zebra, if it walks like a zebra, right? It's a zebra, right? What else is it? Why are they so desperate to vaccinate pregnant women against a mild respiratory infection? Think about it. If you know someone who's pregnant who hasn't been vaccinated, you know, get them down to a clinic, get them down to a vaccine hub as quickly as you can. <laughs> it's very easy now to book your vaccine. Of course it is. Very easy now. They've, they've made it very easy. I, I, I get these mental images of hordes of people mining the streets looking for pregnant women to tap them on the shoulder. Have you had your jab? No, come with me. Come with me and we'll get you jabbed. It might stop your baby dying. It's absolutely mind-blowing. You think, as a producer of radio, that you cannot be blown away anymore. And then you hear that sales pitch, which is not even a sales pitch. It's just, it's almost evil. This guy's been a GP for years. There's a reason they don't give vaccines to pregnant women. There is a reason they don't use pregnant women in trials for medication. A very good reason. And this... Koala bear looking arsehole, look him up. 
Dr. David Lloyd, looks like a koala bear, um, is, is basically turning medicine on its head, basically. Anyway, Dr. David Lloyd, 16 minutes past the hour of the Richie Allen Show, live from Super Salford. I am the BBG. Thanks for joining me. Don't forget, coming up a little bit later on in the programme, talking to a lady who has been involved in protests at schools, trying to raise awareness, you know, trying to let children know and their parents they don't need to have the jab that it might not be the best thing for them. Amy will be on. Before that, we'll be joined by none other than Dr. Eric Naputi. He's a really interesting guy. He's a San Louis, a St. Louis, uh, San Louis, St. Louis chiropractor. This April became the first person in America to be prosecuted for allegedly publishing misinformation about COVID. We'll talk to Eric shortly, Amy, in the second hour. Now, let's move Right on. The Insulate Britain mob are out again this morning, gluing their hands and their backsides to the roads, the M25, to protest because if we don't insulate all of our houses, we're all going to die. That's what they believe. Some people threw ink at them, a bit childish, and a guy playing the bagpipes, no, a guy jumped out of a car, sporting a set of bagpipes, and tried to play... I don't know, Flower of Scotland or Scotland the Brave in one of their ears, but the cops ripped him away before he could properly get the old bagpipes fired up there, which is a real shame. (laughs) I'll take the batons, I'll take the ink in the face over the bagpipes, that's just me. Give me the ink. Tracy Malahan, we would say, but Malligan, they say here in Sassanachland, was on Good Morning Britain with Richard Madeley, the inspiration for Alan Partridge. And I say this not because I'm uh, sympathetic, but I am, I suppose, because I am a human being. Some of you think that these Insulate Britain people are well aware of the truth. They're just playing their part in the tyranny. I beg to differ. I think many of them, at least the ones I see, I really do believe, unless they are Laurence Olivier, Meryl Streep type actors and actresses, which I don't think they are. They're not that good, right? I I do believe that they really believe it. Listen to Tracy Malligan on Good Morning Britain today with Richard Madeley. Do you feel if it had been your mother, would you still have done if you know Oh let me just set it up. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Every time these people block the roads, somebody complains that they were in an ambulance that needed to get somewhere and that it was held up by these protesters. So Maidley does the Maidley thing. How would you feel if it was your mother? Fair enough. Listen to her response then. Do you feel if it had been your mother, would you still have done... If you'd known that your mother was having a stroke in a car 50 yards behind the blockage, would you have carried on? Would you have stopped to get into hospital? Please, anybody, if you know someone having a stroke, phone an ambulance, right? That's the responsible message. No, but that, an ambulance couldn't get to I her. thought you were going to let me finish. No, right? but you're not I, 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 I would I like to answer you, if you answer no, the question. About my mum, I'm going to, you know. Right, OK. So phone an ambulance, that's responsible messaging. If it was my mum, of course, at the time, I would be furious and heartbroken. But when you then go home, we have to look at the reality. Three to four years to save the future of humanity. Do you know what that means for my This is incredible. And they do believe this. You see, this is the thing. We have to be aware of this. They believe that if we don't take these drastic actions and turn the planet into a prison, that 
everything is going to end in a few years. This is genuine. She believes this madness. Three to four years to save the future of humanity. Do you know what that means so for my children? So you allow your own mother to have a, a, a near-fatal stroke? Three to four years before my kids face an unimaginable future, Richard. She's nearly crying. This isn't acting. And you're not asking the right questions. Three to well, four that's my years. Decision, to be honest with you. Is it because you're heartless or too scared to look at the reality of our situation? I'm genuinely okay. perplexed. Why? Je- He's either heartless or too scared to look at the situation. What he doesn't do, mainly because he isn't allowed to do it. I mentioned this on my website today. He isn't allowed to challenge the claim that if we don't do something within the next three to four years, it is basically the end of humanity. Do you know why he isn't allowed to do that? And you can believe me because I don't lie to you. That is because the broadcasters, all of them, with the exception maybe of talk radio, but the majority of them came to the conclusion a couple of years ago that the science is now settled on climate change and that balance and nuance are unnecessary. You can ex... You can, you can 86, as they say in America. You can kick out balance, kick out nuance, don't challenge it because the science is settled. So he just moves on to the, well, I, uh, answer that question about your mother having a stroke, rather than say, come here now, Ms. Maligan. The world is not going to end. Whether it's two, three, four or five degrees of, of a temperature rise, people will still be here in 2100. But of course, he's not allowed to do that. This is the Richie Allen Show. It's 21 minutes past the hour. It is Wednesday, the 27th of October, 2021. Four more days to Halloween. Silver Shamrock. Halloween 3. I have shares in Halloween 3. That's what it is. Dr. Eric Naputi will be with me shortly. What an interesting guy. Amy then, mother involved in the school protests a bit later on. It's a busy old show, so it is. And this is Pulp and Disco 2000. Thanks for joining me. This is Europe's most listened to independent radio show. Live from BBG Towers in Salford. Keep the comments coming in. Comment live on richieallen.co.uk. I'll read your comments out as we go along too. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That is a Paul Band, Disco 2000, 26 minutes past 5 o'clock, the Richie Allen Show, live out of Salford Drive Time. Thanks for all the messages on the website, richieallen.co.uk. Comment live at the top of the page, thousands of comments daily about the issues we're discussing. Let's say hello to our first guest today. Excited to meet him. I am. Back in April, he became the first person in America, would you believe, to be prosecuted for allegedly publishing misinformation about COVID-19. Now, I took a very close look at the things he was saying, and I didn't find too much of it misinformative. In fact, it seemed pretty reasonable to me what he was saying, but they've gone after him. He even had his Facebook page deleted, uh, half a million followers on there, and he was talking about things like vitamin D, vitamin D3 and zinc. And in fact, he's a very benevolent guy, because at one time this year, he was giving away for free, would you believe, vitamin supplements, D3 and other things. We're going to talk about that, but we're also going to be talking about vaccine exemptions and how the United States, well, is basically turning law on its head. And people who should be allowed to declare themselves exempt from vaccines through religious grounds, through their religious beliefs, are being denied that right. Let's welcome to the programme, live from St. Louis, Missouri, it's Dr. Eric Naputi. Eric, welcome to our programme. How are you? 
I'm doing well, Richie. Thanks for having me. Love your show, love your energy, and I'm excited to be here with you. Thank you, sir. You're a gent. Did I pronounce your surname correctly, Naputi? You, because you did. It's thank perfect. God. You did. They can't they can't pronounce it in America, but you guys <laughs> do it perfect in the UK. So appreciate that. It's funny you've been hammered by the media not only in St. Louis but elsewhere and I watched about five different reports and they pronounced Naputi about 16 different ways but thank God I, I chose the right one we'll talk about the exemptions being denied to Christians this is huge and you're following this tell us about what happened in April there you are doing your thing your right thing um, your legitimate thing talking about COVID and you become the first person to be targeted by this new law, Eric. Tell us about that. Well, Richie, first of all, I've been in private practice now in America for almost, well, 20 years now. And we have been recommending during flu and cold season a 150-year-old uh, remedy of high-dose vitamin C, D, zinc, quercetin, and a few other things. And it's worked very well. By the way, it's working very well now for a lot of the flu-like illnesses. And Richie, I'll tell you, I was uh, I was doing a Facebook Live uh, one day. There were about 20,000 people on the live. And we were talking about vitamins, about zinc, about quercetin, about quinine, about all these things. And, um, I mean, it just went gangbusters. And the world, yeah. you know, w w heard about it. Well, let me tell you this. In December of 2020, uh, when President Trump was still the president, he signed a 3,000-plus page bill uh, called the COVID Relief Bill. And in that COVID Relief Bill, nobody read it. It's 3,000 pages. Nobody has a clue what's in this thing. And it was the bill that was put out so that we could uh, get money to people to stay home and stay in their basements and get free money to stay home and all the things that we've done wrong in America. Well, there were one paragraph, Richie, that was in there called the COVID Consumer Protection Act. And basically what it said in no uncertain terms was anyone who is using false information or misinformation during a pandemic to profit is going to be persecuted by the Department of Justice mm -hmm. and the FTC. Well, I was the, not only the first person, I was the first doctor that they came after. They claimed that I said, if you take vitamin D, zinc, and other nutrients, that you that those are better than the vaccine, that you don't have to take the vaccine, that you're going to cure COVID. Well, I never said any of those things. They, they basically tried to run a doctor's name through the mud early on in this to try to scare off other doctors uh, from having common sense conversations with their public. Well, long story short, here we are almost a year later, over a year later, and after we showed the federal government all the data and all the information that supports my claims, by the way, we have hundreds of research documents to prove our claims are correct, um, the federal government wanted to drop the case. They tried to completely drop it, Richie, and what I said was, oh no, we're not going to do that. So we sued them back. We are we're, we went back after them because here in America, we have the Constitution, we have have our First Amendment right of freedom to speech. They tried to violate that. The federal government tried to take me as a doctor uh, who I swore an oath to first do no harm. And by the way, doing nothing is doing harm to people. And by the way, I've had over 400,000 people on our regiment and protocol that we recommend. And out of those 400,000 people, uh, let's just say that they're doing very, very well. And um, and are, so not complaining, we are, are not complaining with the flu and not complaining with COVID. They're doing well. Are doing. And you know what they're not? They're not living in fear, Richie. And that's the biggest thing is they're not living in fear. 
And, and so as a doctor, it's my job to do everything I can uh, morally, ethically, and, and legally to help my patients. So obviously, this was a giant marketing ploy. That's all that it was. The federal government tried to scare and, and manipulate doctors, which is what they've been doing since the beginning of this. Listen, this is no uh, vitamin D and zinc is getting the same uh, amount of scrutiny of things like uh, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, because the reality, Richie, is this. Here in America, the, uh, the emergency use authorization for the vaccines, there's a 17 checkpoint criteria that must be met. All 17 of those check marks must be checked off. If there's one point that's not checked off, then they, they lose their emergency authorization. Well, uh, one of those criteria is if you do, if there is a recognized therapeutic treatment prevention or anything out there that can minimize the suffering of COVID-19, then the vaccines lose their emergency use authorization. And we have documents that show that the uh, pharmaceutical industry was pressuring the federal government into protecting the emergency use authorization. So this was nothing more than a giant political uh, scheme. Do you know what's really frustrating about that, Eric, is I interviewed a a lady called Dr. Tess Lowry, who is well known for evaluating the efficacy and safety of drugs. And she's done this before for the World Health Organization. And Tess came on with me and said that she had exhaustively looked at every paper that had ever been written about ivermectin. She looked at it herself and she said ivermectin is safe and it is an effective treatment against these respiratory infections. But yet, here we are today. I'm in the northwest of England. You're in St. Louis, Missouri. And the people who surround us, they are convinced that this is some sort of horse medicine and it's crazy, it's witch doctory to be talking about this. The media has been very successful in discrediting ivermectin, hasn't it? Let's be honest. Well, Richie, let's be honest. Most people are are very ignorant and most people are very stupid. And there are two very different diagnoses there. The reality is in 2015, uh, there... Ivermectin won a Nobel Prize for the treatment it did on humans. It's been used in many other uh, viruses uh, throughout the years as an antiviral. It's a well-known antiviral. And by the way, ivermectin, the origins of it, it's a, it's, it's basically a soil-based organism. It's a streptomyces that comes from the ground in Japan. It's an absolute, anyone who calls it a horse dewormer needs to sit out the rest of the conversation. They yeah. obviously don't know what they're talking about. Richie, I'll tell you what, one resource I would give your people, there's a website that's been put together by Dr. Harvey Risch, uh, Dr. Peter McAuliffe, and a bunch of other contributing doctors. It's called c19early.com, c19early.com. That website has right now 1,068 active studies that show all the different alternative treatments for COVID-19 and the benefits of it. That is an amazing, amazing resource. And by the way, to the point about ivermectin, if you go to the NIH's website, which is the National Institute of Health, uh, it's the organization that we base all of our decisions off of here in America. If you go to NIH.gov and go to COVID-19 treatments, look up antivirals, there's a, a table, it's table 16E, and that table, the first treatment that's recognized is remdesivir. The second one recognized by... Um, by the NIH is ivermectin. It's on their website. On their own website. I've shown that yeah. to so many hospitals and they just were like, we had no idea. 
It ignorance didn't know. is killing people. Ignorance is not bliss in this case. It isn't bliss. No. It's killing people. Dr. Eric Naputi is our guest. He's live from St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis, Missouri. This is important stuff. Um, I, I, I was amazed at how petty the media was. Eric has given away a lot of supplements to people. A lot of supplements. And the media tried to discredit him for doing that by saying that he... They criticised him for charging for the postage and packaging. It's pathetic, isn't it? I couldn't believe how petty they were. So you're given 30, 40 bucks worth of supplements. I mean, why should you pay for the postage and packaging? I mean, they really went after you, even though you were doing a, what, I, what I think was a very nice thing for people back then. Before we talk about exemptions, let me ask you about this. It's, it's lovely that you have helped highlight two people, helped to show people that they can eat well, they can take good supplements, and that will mostly, largely prevent them from becoming very ill with the flu or COVID or whatever. That's lovely. That's wonderful, Eric. But there's something else going on, isn't there? Biden and the mandates and telling federal employees they must have the jabs. The squeeze is on. You have the mayor of New York City saying you don't get to participate in society unless you have the jab. We see what's happening in in California. I think we're coming to the crunch period now, Eric, they, they really, I don't think they will pull, I don't think there is, there isn't anything that they will stop short of doing to coerce us into having these jobs. How concerned are you about that? Well, I'm extremely concerned for several reasons. Number one, first of all, none of this is legal. In America, we have something called the Constitution, and the Constitution is known as the supreme law of the land, which basically means if it goes against the Constitution, you can't do it. Well, in our Constitution alone, uh, violating our religious uh, freedoms violates the First Amendment in the Constitution, the Fourth Amendment, and also the Fourteenth Amendment. And not only do we have a federal constitution, but every state, like Missouri, the state that I live in here in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, there's a state constitution. And the state constitution clearly shows that this violates our Human Rights Act in our state. Uh, We also have something called the Civil Rights Act of 1964. These are all clear violations and discrimination and persecution against religious beliefs of individuals in our country. And I'll just tell you this, Richie. Uh, the Americans are not going to stand for this. We we have been bullied and pushed around long enough. It took us too darn long to wake up, but we now have millions. And when I say millions, I'm talking tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of people that have stood up and said, listen, we have been on a slippery slope for a long time and, and we're not going down this road anymore. There, there's something called the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC for religious exemptions, and everything they're trying to do is a clear violation of this. Here's the problem, Richie, that we have. The reason why this is continuing to perpetuate is because the court systems are jammed up. They literally are log jammed up with cases. And they're blaming it all on COVID, something that would normally take, you know, a couple weeks to get in front of a a circuit court or the Supreme Court is now taking up to 18 to 20 months. It's unheard of. So the damage is being done by them just throwing out these just random claims. Like, for example, what they did with me, they said that I violated this this law, this brand new law, which is which is a lie. The problem is they've already done their damage in the media. Now, the same thing's true with these with these. um, with these religious exemptions. They're they're trying to go around and circumvent the Constitution, and they can't do that, but until we get in front of a court, in front of a judge, to say, oh, no, you can't do that, which, by the way, has happened in a few states, like New York, 
like Illinois. They had to reinstate a bunch of healthcare workers. Um, we're getting there. It's just going to take time. But the Americans have been so complacent and so obedient yeah. to following the rules. Same as which here. Which is not like us. Yeah. No, it's not. And it's, I wouldn't have thought it's like the Irish. I'm an Irish man living in England. But there you are. I've got to put this to you. And I'm sure you've been asked this many times. For those who have never heard of Pastor Henning Jacobson, he lived in Sweden and there was a mandatory vaccination law in Sweden. He didn't like that. Um, he moved to the United States. He moved to Massachusetts. And they introduced a vaccine mandate over smallpox. He didn't want to be vaccinated. Uh, at the time, I think they said that he would be fined $5 if he didn't take the jab. This went all the way to the United States Supreme Court. It's known as Jacobson versus Massachusetts. And the Supreme Court held, upheld the authority of states to enforce compulsory vaccination law. Is that a problem in your opinion, Eric? It's a great qu question, Richie. And I'm going to tell you, I'm a doctor, not a lawyer, but I will tell you that that on our programs and everything that we do with our organizations, we have uh, a tremendous amount of attorneys that are working with us right now. And they have absolutely figured out ways to completely eviscerate uh, Jacobson versus Massachusetts. It's going to get overturned and overruled. That was a different time. That was a different situation. Yeah. It was a different type of a, a vaccine, a mandate. It's a $5, uh, I'll pay a $5 penalty. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Let's just go and move on with it. You know? That's a good point, it, it, Eric. That's a great ridiculous. point. Yeah. I love it. Listen, you can stick with, we can keep Jacobson versus Massachusetts if, if you're only going to find me $5 for not having it. That's a really good point. So you're saying to me that lawyers uh, with far more legal knowledge than both of us are working on this as we speak. Yes, sir, they are. In fact, uh, in the state of New York, we just recently had uh, several hundred healthcare workers that were terminated because they refused to get these injections. Uh, it went to the, the Supreme Court in New York and it was over turned and they said this is a religious violation you can't do this irregardless of Jacobson versus Massachusetts so we're already starting to see holes poked in that that is a hundred year old ruling that is going to get overturned it's just again Richie it's a matter of time before we get there and the problem is they know that they know that it's a matter of time so we're seeing a, a tremendous amount of propaganda in the United States uh, really pushing us harder mandating if you will these jabs but What's funny is Biden came on the news almost seven weeks ago and said that there's going to be all these mandates for businesses above 100 people and, yes. and healthcare workers. But the law never came out. The OSHA and the Department of Labor, who's supposed to uh, put those regulations out, still seven weeks later, we don't have anything. It's all here. It's all propaganda. This is not real, Richie. There's no law uh, uh, that, that's being violated right now. This is, this is really interesting. Dr. Eric Naputi is our guest. He's live from St. Louis, Missouri. Now, you as a chiropractor, you know better than anybody. I mean, you, big pharma, the biggest pharmaceutical companies, they hate you. And I, and I know why they hate you, because you cost them... Uh, you and other uh, uh, practitioners in your field, you cost them, well, billions, don't you? Because they want to keep people with back pain, with nerve pain, with sciatica, with neck pain, with shoulder pain. They want to keep them on drugs for the rest of their lives. Whereas people like you say, listen, we can sort that out <laughs> you know, fairly quickly. So they don't like you. And you've had this for your entire career. So on that, were you more aware of 
the possibility of this sort of tyranny before 2020. So go back three, four, five years ago, where you kind of clued in as to the sort of world that these um, entities want to create. Did you know something was coming? Richie, you're so spot on. It's not funny. Of course we did. I mean, the past 20 years of being a doctor of chiropractic, a doctor of natural medicine, you know, I run multiple practices that have medical doctors and DOs and all kinds of family care within them. And our focus has always been get to the root cause of the problem, try to change lifestyle, get them on the right vitamins and lifestyle path to reduce the cause of disease in the first place. And we've been very great, great at doing that because it's common sense since. But we've also been under attack since day one because we didn't conform uh, to the the powers that be, right? I mean, we've been audited more than any other doctors that are out there. We've seen the the behind-the-scenes tyranny that's happened. So my skin's already pretty thick. I've got 20 years of, of battle scars on this. I knew what we were going to expect. I didn't we didn't know it would be this evil, but we knew of the capacity which it could be. So we weren't surprised at all. Um, I think that's part of the reason why we were one of the first doctors to stand up and say, this is not right. And a lot of other doctors that are out there, if you look in America, the doctors that are standing up are doctors who have practiced more natural medicine, have not been in the hospital systems as much, and are not uh, under the thumb of the uh, medical bureaucracy, uh, you know, I make my living off of getting results. Hospitals make their living off of billing charges. It's not about uh, getting results. In fact, if you help sick people get well, they're out of a job, which is a complete paradigm shift. But I will tell you this, 2020 was a year of 2020 vision, clarity, certainty. The people that had the eyes to see it saw it. And now more people are waking up every day to the tyranny that's happening in medicine, uh, in, in, in uh, uh, the finance world, in business, economy, schools, and et cetera. This has been exactly what the world has needed. We just have to be able to weather the storm and keep moving forward, Richie. Absolutely right now. Frances Haugen, or Hogan, Haugen, I think it's pronounced, she's this alleged Facebook whistleblower. She's been in the UK in the last few days. I know she testified before Congress about hate speech on Facebook and about how Facebook uses its algorithms to, to earn money off of misinformation and all of this. I think this is some sort of a false flag thing, to be honest. I think what they want to do, and this is, I'm really interested in speaking to an American, because you, you know, you know, the First Amendment, you know, the right to free speech is so important to Americans. It's enshrined in your constitution. We, it's not so cut and dry in the UK or in Ireland. I'm really concerned that they're using these storylines about hate speech and stuff like that to ultimately make it next to impossible to speak online about the things that you and I are speaking about today. This is a big thing, I think. This is one of the next big things, maybe in the next six to eight months. Could you ever see that in your own country? Could you ever see it becoming illegal to, for example, deny that COVID-19 is a stone-cold killer? Because it isn't a stone-cold killer. But but it's not beyond the realms of possibility that governments might outlaw, you know, saying stuff like that. What do you What do you think when you hear that? Uh, Richie, I agree with you 100%. If we allow them to continue this narrative, listen, absolute power corrupts absolutely. They want to have as much power and control as possible. I'm going to tell you right now, I believe, and so do a lot of my colleagues, that that was a planted whistleblower uh, to, to go out there and say, oh, there's all this hate speech. I mean, she came out 
on 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 one day and was in front of Congress the next day. Yeah, that never happens. Pretty quick. <laughs> that that never happens. That was completely set up. Uh, and now she's saying there's all this hate speech, and they they're 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 going to try to pass laws and regulations to restrict people even more. But here's the reality. Here's what's going to happen. This is not just going to happen in America. It's going to happen all over the world. Uh, we're going to adapt and overcome. Great. Shut down Facebook. It's socialized media anyway. Shut down Twitter. Shut down all these. We're going to make our own. And I'm going to tell you right now, we have hundreds of, of millions of Americans who want the truth. They want the truth and need the truth. And they will go to those new sites. They'll move to sites like Clout Hub and these other sites that are out there that are up and coming because they're going to try to pass laws to restrict our freedom of speech. And what's going to happen next? We're going to have constitutional arguments in America where they're going to try to change the um, the law of the supreme law of the land all based off of one thing. They're getting upset because people's feelings are hurt. They're getting upset because we're not tolerating enough stuff. I'm going to tell you something, Richie. The problem with America is we've tolerated too much. We've tolerated people uh, complaining about about all these things, and we've not we've we've not got to the root of it of saying, you know what? Here's what I'm going to tell you about your feelings. I appreciate your feelings. Keep them to yourself while the adults go back and fix the world that you screwed up. It's it interesting. It's interesting you saying that because we did tolerate people. You know, we're having a big thing here in the UK at the moment. There's there's a big trans thing going on. I know it's going on in the United States as well. It's getting very serious here. People are losing their jobs because they are saying that they, they that they believe that biological sex is, is important and that it's serious. And you know, I think back, I'm 46 now. I think back, I grew up in Waterford in Ireland, so it's Catholic, right? And it's yeah. reasonably conservative. But there were one or two people who um, who lived... Uh, as as the opposite sex. We, we did have a man who lived as a woman and we would have thought that he was a bit eccentric and a bit strange but he left people you know, to their own devices and people left him alone and he wasn't ostracised, he wasn't excommunicated. You know, he, he got on but he lived as a woman and if he asked people to call um, him by a female name, people did out of courtesy. That's the way it was but something has changed. Something has changed. Now it's not just enough to live and let live. Now we've somehow got to validate people and to almost testify as to their lived experience. And if we don't do that, Eric, well, we become hateful and well, we become ostracised. These are crazy times. I don't know whether to laugh or cry most days. <laughs> Richie, I agree with you. Anymore, I literally just laugh because you're, you're 100% right. You're 100% right. Listen, in, here in America, we're fighting right now. We're arguing with our school boards uh, and, and the powers that be that are trying to put curriculum into the schools to teach our children about transvestite sexuality, about, about pedophilia, about all these things. This is really happening. And here's the reality. I don't care what sexuality you are. I just don't want you to teach that to my kids. That's my job as a parent. And if you don't like that, that's a big problem. And the problem that we've had is we've tolerated that for too long. Enough is enough. Listen, I grew up in the generation where we learned sticks and stones will break your bones and yeah. words will never hurt me. And you know what? What other people think and feel about you is none of your damn business anyway. So the reality is you do you, let me do me. As long as you don't throw it in my face, I'm not going to come after you. But here's where we're at in America now. And I thank God every day for this because we are there. Contrary to what everyone's hearing, we are there. 
enough Americans have woken up and said, what the heck is going on here? You're trying to take away my way of life. You've infringed upon my freedoms. Now Americans are feeling it enough. And we're, we're, we're in the middle of a powder keg right now. There's some crazy things that are happening right now in the United States. And I'll tell you that November, the month of November, especially around the week of Thanksgiving, there's some Supreme Court cases that are going to be heard, and I'm telling you it is going to shock the world what information is going to be coming out and how vigorous the Americans stand up against what tyranny is happening. It's there, Richie. We're about to see it explode. When it comes back in, when it comes up in November, come back on the show and talk about it. Let me ask you one final question then. I parted company with politicians in 2002. I had an awakening, I suppose. I hate the term because it's overused, but I had an understanding that it didn't matter what you know, side of the divide they were on. It didn't matter that the House always won. My politics, Eric, I suppose back in the day, I'm, I'm, I, I would have been a trade unionist. I would have been an old lefty, genuine lefty, not like the, yeah. the fake lefties today, you right. know. And but, but I, I saw the light. I think, isn't the COVID tyranny? more than anything that's ever happened, isn't it a lesson to every one of us that these kind of pigeonholes we put ourselves in, like I'm, I'm, I'm for Trump or I'm for Sanders or I'm, I'm for Hillary, they're all criminals. None of yeah. them lifted a finger to stop this. Don't we have to realise that we have to throw off the shackles of, of, our, of our identities, these identities that we took on, you know, I'm, I'm conservative, I, I'm liberal, and understand that this bloody agenda does not discriminate? What do you think? Final question. I think truer words have not been spoken anymore. What we're saying in America, I don't care if you're black, white, purple, green, yellow, blue. I don't care if you're on the left, the right, the center. It doesn't matter. You're either for America or you're against America. You're either for the rights of humans or you're against the rights of humans. And that's where we're getting. We've got to get rid of the labels. We've got to get rid of the old school blaming. We got to get rid of the uh, uh, the parties that are out there because they've not served us. They've served them. And that's not working out well. And I'm excited this great reset that they were trying to do has turned into a great reawakening. And I'm excited to be alive right now to see how this thing shakes out. And I'm happy to be a part of it. Eric, 10 seconds. Where can people find you online if this is the first time they've come across you? Where should they find so, you? So real simple. Just go to realtalkwithdre.com. That's realtalkwithdre.com. Or you can find me at ericnaputi.com. That's E-R-I-C-N-E-P-U-T-E. Com. Come back anytime, Eric. Lovely to meet you. Thanks, Richie. Appreciate All the best you. for Have now. A day. You too, my friend. God bless. Dr. Eric Napudi, live on the line from St. Louis, Missouri. Top man. Good to have him on the programme. God, they went after him last year when he was talking about how to mitigate the effects of, of COVID and spun some lies about him and stuff, but he stood up to it to his credit. It's uh, six and a half minutes to the top of the air. I said I would read your comments, and I'm a man of my word. So I'm going to do that right now, if I can get into my own website. And I can, because Hayden Hewitt's a top man too. Very good. Very good he is with the websites. Very, very good. Very good. Right. Uh, Craig says we need to stop back looking up to complete strangers and need to stop looking to leaders, says Craig. Yes, fair enough. John says, I like chiropractors like this guy and John Bergman, Dr. John Bergman, because they aim to get to the root of the problem. No doubt. No doubt. Wayne, blogging or messaging or, or, or I don't know, writing as Urban Fox has tweeted a link, or Jesus, we're not on Twitter, has sent a link to something about Francis Hogan and 
it's it's questioning whether or not she is a genuine whistleblower or not. I don't know. Uh, Craig went on to say the lived experience argument only seems to work in one direction. I don't know what that means at all. Uh, do, you, do you mean me? Uh, you'd be beating up the wrong track there, my friend. Uh, hi to Colin. It says, Big Pharma doesn't want cures, only customers. Good on this doctor for seeing alternatives and speaking out. Let, let me just um, make one thing clear about the Richie Allen show. I spend about a half an hour each day opening decline emails from people I have invited on this programme. It's a dreadful thing, but I continue to do it anyway. Not because I'm a martyr and I'm not sending myself flowers. I don't want any credit for this. But I constantly seek out balance. I shouldn't probably do that, maybe. It could be argued I shouldn't do it because the MSM doesn't do it. But I am constantly inviting people on who believe COVID is deadly and that we should all have the jabs. But of course they do not want to come on. So why do I torture myself? Well, it's because I consider myself to be an ethical, moral journalist. It's right that I continue to do that, but it doesn't matter. They will not come on the programme. I can only say that a thousand times a year. I'll continue to say it a thousand times until it gets through, until it permeates certain thick skulls. This isn't an echo chamber, my programme. It isn't. If you know of people in government or in medicine who believe the COVID narrative and who would come on this programme, please set it up. I will have them on any day of the week. And I'm not aiming that, by the way, at anyone who's commenting today. I'm aiming it at everybody. I get emails from people who say, Oh, you criticised the MSM for just giving one side of it. Uh, where's the other side on your show? Hello? 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 Think, McFly. Think. Anybody home? What do you think I fucking do most days? <laughs> I invite them on. They say, No, you're that hateful bastard. I read about you. All right, thanks. I... Thanks. Thanks for getting back to me anyway. You know? You know? Okay. Tim is in Brazil. He says, what's the difference between animal-grade and human-grade medicine? Don't know. Good question. You could fill libraries with the things I don't know. There you are. William Henderson, how you doing, William? Thanks for commenting. Hi to Martin. Hi to Red Green. Let me scroll on down there. There's lots and lots and lots of comments. Lots. And lots of comments, so I'll tell you what, I'll just, I'll just swiftly move on. It's three minutes to the top of the hour. Now, we'll be speaking with Amy in a few minutes' time. Amy is a lady who is, has taken part in protests near schools. Obviously, secondary schools, high schools, right? They have decided to vaccinate or offer the COVID jabs to 12 to 15-year-olds. That hasn't gone down well with many a parent. It's... it's Wretched, isn't it? But I'm not going to get into it here. Anyway, Candace got in touch with me, said, Amy, Gareth Ike, by the way, was um, instrumental. He was the go-between, as they couldn't reach me. How you doing, Gareth, if you're listening? Um, top man, Gareth Ike. Check out Gareth programs on iconic.com if you haven't checked them out before. Very interesting, very well put together. So, um, Sajid Javid, the health secretary, was on national media this week and he was complaining that the parents, or, or sorry, those who protest outside schools, they have actually injured children, he said. Of course, the presenters didn't say, really, which children in particular, which schools, and what exactly happened to the children? Did they require medical treatment? No, of course not. The media doesn't do that. No chance. Give over, Paddy, will you? 
no chance whatsoever. So speaking with Amy briefly today, we'll talk about those issues in a few minutes when she's on the programme. Wednesday's programme, October the 27th, 2021, that's the one. Are you a company based in the northwest of England who want to improve their profile via social media? Yes! Well, you could go out in the car park and film something on your phone, but it's not very good, is it? No! Sounds terrible, the picture's not that great. Yes! Try Ensign Films. We're a new video production company based in the heart of Manchester. We're really old, we've had loads of experience, and we can work within your budget. Don't go out in the car park with Debbie from Accounts. Seriously. Ensignfilms.com. Now, Craig Craig got back to me and said, Richie, the lived experience comment wasn't a dig at you. I didn't think it was. I said I didn't know what you meant. If someone has a lived experience, that leads them to be discriminatory because that experience isn't respected in the public sphere. That's right. That's exactly right. That's what's happening. And that's obviously the big danger with social media, with Twitter and with Facebook. Because the person who has the lived experience, who emotes about it, eventually surrounds himself or herself with others who have, who have had similar lived experiences. And then they tend to draw their opinions, extrapolate opinions and beliefs ultimately out of that. It's a, it's a mire. It's, it's quicksand. It's dreadful. I agree with you 100%. No, I didn't take any offence at it. I, I did want to make the point, though. I would love to have debates with people. On all of these issues. Do you think I haven't invited people on from Stonewall, for example? Of course I have. What do I say when I reach out to these people? Well, here's a little production 101. It's a case of dear Mr and Mrs Stonewall. Right, I'm being childish now. Dear to whoever it might concern. I have a programme. It's fairly successful. It has a, a decent audience. I see things a bit differently than you. I'd like to have a respectful conversation about that on my programme, if you don't mind. I don't believe that women, I don't believe that biological males who now identify as women should be able to supplant women from positions reserved for women or biological women. I don't believe that because I'm a hateful bastard. It's what I believe. I'd like to have a discussion with somebody. Maybe we can find some common ground. They come back and they say, you're a hateful bigot. Why would we speak on your radio programme? This is standard. (laughs) It's very frustrating. If you remember, if you've listened to me long enough, it nearly drove me to quit the programme. Out of boredom. Out of mind-numbingly, rat-knowingly boredom. Rat knowingly, I mean, biting my fingernails out of boredom. You know, I want to argue with people. I like a good argument. And I'm somebody who argues very respectfully and knows when to shut up and let the other person speak. But uh, it's not not easy these days to find somebody who will argue with you. So what are you going to do? You know, ultimately, you're just going to have to accept you can't have too many arguments in your life. Anyway... It's uh, coming up for two minutes past the hour, or two minutes past six here in Salford. This is from Len, and it's called Steal My Sunshine. Hey, you to Mark no sun here. The Richie Allen Show relies on your support. Visit richieallen.co.uk and make a financial contribution today. You're listening to the saviour of independent media, Richie Allen. And it's coming up for six minutes past six o'clock. It is your Richie Allen radio show. How are you doing? Are you well this Wednesday? It's been a good week so far. I'm I'm tentatively 
inclined to say that our sound woes, our, our studio woes, I'm tentatively saying this, are behind us. Bang. Something goes bang then. Yeah. I, I, speaking to the oft-mentioned El Frogo Tremendo, and I said, I think I've gotten me, me mojo back. I'm feeling a bit better this week. Last week, I wasn't in the best of form. Because I don't know, I've never driven a race car, but I imagine if you drive a race car and there is a problem with it and you can't identify it, it grates on you and you can't perform. I was a bit like that the last uh, week or, or, or eight days. I was driven mad by one or two sound issues. But it, it seems to have been resolved by the great Paul Ripley from, from Fab Radio. Let me give a big shout out, by the way, to my friend Mark Boyerski. You heard Mark on the programme last week. You hear him and you have heard him many times over the years. Uh, lovely guy doing tremendous good for people and has been a great supporter of this radio programme. Do check him out via his website, markboyerski.com. That's markboyerski.com. And his YouTube channel is packed with very, very useful information. If you go to youtube.com and look for Mark Boyerski, you will find him. Great guy. He might very well be listening in Mijas Pueblo. Then again, he might not because he's a busy dude. So check him out at markboyerski.com. Back to the website, richieallen.co.uk. Comment live if you feel like commenting live. Ewan is in Scotland visiting his mum. And guess what? It's Bucket Dune. <laughs> it's Bucket Dune. Isn't it interesting? Sunday, Glasgow. Glasgow. On Sunday, COP26, the Queen won't be attending to welcome the dignitaries. And it was announced on the media today that there are concerns that some world leaders might give Glasgow a wide berth, hearing that Yerwan from Buckingham Palace isn't attending. That made me giggle. What difference does it make? But anywho, yes, she'll be addressing them via video link, will the... Will the Queen, yeah. Colin says you could get John Cleese on to argue the classic Monty Python sketch. Remember that? I've come here for an argument. No, you didn't. Fantastic stuff, that. God be with the days. Chris came on to say, Ivermectin never killed anything, so when you look it up online now, it has a pick of an animal on the box. It's the same stuff, so just take the same dose as recommended for the animal. And maybe a little bit more, says Chris. Chris, you're not qualified now to be dispensing medical advice, Christopher. So give over, I say to you. I shouldn't have read that out, but anyway, you know what I mean. Gavin says, Richie, they would get destroyed if they came on your show. But that's not the point, Gavin. Thank you for saying that. <clears throat> that's a very... I hear presenters saying that. Oh, I would destroy him. It's, um, it's an arrogance. It's not about destroying people. It's about asking people to consider certain facts that might be inconvenient to them and to, 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 to their beliefs. That's what it is, really. That, that's what decent journalism is, is asking somebody who believes, hook, line and sinker, that COVID is deadly and that the jabs are manna from heaven. It's asking them to consider this. Look, have a look at this. You, as a presenter, are not in the business of destroying somebody. I'm not. I, you, you just want them to consider what Bakhti said, what Martin Kuldorf said in Harvard. Did you know that this person who's equally qualified says this? What do you think now? 
That's the job, really. It's not about grandstanding. What Piers Morgan was doing on Good Morning Britain was farcical. It, garbage. It's not journalism. It's not presenting. It's grandstanding and trying to boost your Twitter following numbers and show yourself off to be a top man. And It's bullying bollocks, that is, really. When you get somebody on a radio show who sees the world differently than you, your job is to just say, what about this? And shut up. <laughs> Couldn't be simpler. And then when they stop talking, you say, well, what about this? And your listener then makes their minds up at the end of the day. That's how it goes. Well, it's how it used to go. In any case, shall we say hello to Amy? Shall we say hello to Amy? Let's do it. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from Salford, from BBG Towers. Thank you for joining me. It's good to have your company. Now, Sajid Javid, the whole... God, God, it's a long time since he was the Home Secretary. The Health Secretary did the rounds of the national media earlier in the week. And he declared, in fact, it was at the weekend, he declared that people who were protesting outside of schools, protesting about about offering the jabs to 12 to 15-year-olds. He said that they were dangerous people, spreading misinformation. But he also made a claim that in some cases, children were injured. I, said, I, I think he said three or four children were injured. Typically, none of the presenters invited him to prove that any children were injured, to, to not to name them, but to give any proof that this indeed happened. Now, Candice reached out to the programme. She said, Richie, my friend Amy has been involved in protesting or trying to raise awareness outside schools of what's going on. Amy has kindly agreed to come on. She is an empathetic, critically thinking mother. Her mission, as she sees it, is to empower and educate the people she meets, but also, most importantly, to educate the next generation. And I'm delighted that Amy has pulled over uh, and uh, given us some of her time this evening. Amy, welcome to our programme. How are you? Yes, not too bad. Thank you for having me, Richie. No, it's an honour to have you. Thank you. I know you're busy and I know you're driving and you're, you're up to your tonsils there. So <laughs> when, when you heard Javid say children are being hurt, what, 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 how do you respond to that? Um, to be honest, I think personally it kind of just makes me see how desperate they are um, to disprove the information that we're sharing in regards to the people that we communicate with outside the schools. Um, so yeah, I kind of look at it as a, as a resort of panic of Des what else can we say. Desperation tactics. So you, 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 you've, you've begun to answer my next question then. We hear about protests, we hear about this, but you said... You, to me just there that it's not it's about sharing information take me through what happens when when you go to uh, to a school what are you trying to do and how does it work so absolutely we, we the main aim is is like i mentioned previously it's to empower and educate the people that we talk to um we just feel strongly that people are not being given informed consent um we we've painted so often as anti-vaxxers which couldn't be far from the truth we are pro-choice um, and what we are is anti-experimental vaccine. That's exactly what we are. We are against this this rollout that's happening at the moment, but not in vaccinations altogether. And a lot of people we communicate with are quite shocked when they hear that because they believe the narrative that's being pushed pushed via the media. Um, but it's more so, I mean, it's offering information to them. If people don't wish to take it, they don't wish to take it. That's exactly their right and their choice. Um, so, yeah, so when you hear these things being said, it's, the complete opposite to what happens outside of the schools. 
how the complete for, opposite. The complete opposite. How frustrating is it for a mother who isn't anti-vaccines, who is just talking about choice? How difficult is it to hear you you be described as as an anti-vaxxer, as some sort of, of idiot? I mean, I'm sure it's tedious, but it must also be fairly frustrating. It, it can be at times. I think I've had fair, you know, I've had quite a lot of practice in regards to having been called a conspiracy theorist for the last eleven plus years. So that kind of hardens your skin over the years, and yeah. you kind of get used to it. So things that are actually, I mean, we do. We actually, it's quite ironic that we're painted as the ones being kind of aggressive and, and violent and, and outspoken. And actually, it's the complete opposite. And we get that reaction towards us when we're outside sharing information. Even today, I was out doing outreach, you know, and there's people swearing and shouting and. People are just unable to have uh, an adult, civilised conversation in regards to these subjects. That's really sad that you're there. I imagine you've got some literature, you're offering it to people Mm -hmm. and they're swearing and uh, and shouting. Again, I I was going to ask that. So how does it work then? So uh, people are arriving at schools and you're there with your outreach um, um, volunteers. And is it that you're saying to people, excuse me, do you mind? Maybe you should have a look at this or have a think about that. Is that how it goes? Well, to be honest, I find the best approach is just to hold the leaflet out. If they're interested, they'll come over. A lot of, a lot of young teenagers will come over and ask you, well, what's this about? And they'll, they'll ask the questions if they wish to know, or they'll take the information and we'll say, you know, if you have any questions, please ask us. Um, but as soon as any of them are like, nope, not interested, I've had it, I want it, then it's like, absolutely, that's your choice. But we do also say to them, uh, we just want to make sure you've had informed consent and, and double check that, which nine times out of 10, no matter who we spoke to, be it adult or young person, they haven't had informed consent. That doesn't seem to exist at the moment. No, it doesn't. That's a huge issue, that it really is, that people are being invited to take something and they are not being given every available piece of information to hand about that treatment. You're absolutely right. They've talked about exclusion zones. I don't know how serious that is. Um, Would that make a difference to you, Amy? Absolutely not. I'm, I'm, I kind of look at that in the same way that I've looked at the Coronavirus Act. None of it is law. None of it is, is standing within the law. So we will be very careful to remain within the law as we have done so far. When we've been outside schools, we have not been on their property. We've made sure that we're on a public footpath um, and we're in, a, we're in a place where we can access the public and who we wish to talk to, but without embroaching on, on their restrictions and their, their land. You have every right to be there, no doubt about that. And what about the school itself? Have head teachers or teachers approached you to, to communicate with you? Has any of that gone on? Yeah, we've had a combination. So we've had some that will come out and completely try and get us to, to be removed. We've had, I mean, a lot of the schools, we tend to do a variety of outreach. So some of our outreaches at eight o'clock in the morning, especially on the day of the uh, jabs to allow the children to have you know the best opportunity to take some information in before they make the choice um, and we have had people you know remove the leaflets off the kids or ask us to move on some have come out and you know I can't say actually for a head teacher but we have had staff members within the school come out and say you know I completely understand what you're doing and agree and to be honest we've had police also say that to us you know we I understand I kind of agree with what you're doing but I'm doing my job right now and I have to you know, ask the children to go into school or whatnot. So there's definitely a group of people that have the same thoughts and concerns. And it's just saddening to see that they haven't got the courage, the balls, however you want to describe it, to to stand up for the children. For their right. Um, I for find their that quite sad. I wish, they could, I wish they could take the same stance as the, um, the chair, was it the deputy chair, I think, of 
the JCVI. I mean, he spoke openly, Professor Anthony Harden. Is it Harden? I think yeah, you pronounced yeah, it? Yeah, and he said his responsibility was to the children, not the government. And I just wish that other people could, could take a leaf out of his book and do the same. That, that's a good point now. You mentioning the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation. It didn't recommend the jabs for 12 to 15-year-olds. Do you believe that enough parents are aware of that or has that gone over the heads of parents? No, I don't think enough parents are aware. Um, when we're talking to people, there's so much information they're not aware of. It's the reason why we often push the information on the yellow card scheme because people are just not not given the right information to make that informed choice and know. So it's not only about talking to the teenagers. A lot of it is the parents. We have done work where we've been in and around areas where there's lots of primary schools, for example, so that we can prepare the parents for what may to come. And we also believe that they're now in talks about children from, you know, 5 to 11. So it won't be too long before we're in exactly the same situation, but unfortunately with our primary school children. You're right, because they've just okayed the jab in the United States, haven't they, for five-year-olds? Yeah. Which is which yeah. is amazing. And we, we tend, well, in the last six to 12 months, we tend to kind of follow the uh, the US lead. That's, a, that's, that's pretty horrible. And I, I, you don't have to give me ages, but your own child or children, are they out of school, finished school, still in school? You don't have to tell me if you don't want. Is she gone? We lost Amy. We might have lost Amy. I might have to call her back. We're Can you hear me now? Ah, you're there. I thought I was uh, going to have to call you back. No that. big deal. Not at all. No, you don't have to give me the answer. I was just wondering if you have a child or children still of school going age. Yes, yes, I do. My child is of secondary school age, so he's right in the bracket at the moment. So how was it with all the mask wearing and the bubbles and all of that? How did you cope with that? Um, I've been quite lucky because he's homeschooled. Um, he's attached to a centre, but technically most of his work and interaction is done via home. Um, but he, he's, he's got additional needs, so you wouldn't have been able to put any of that on him, even if it had been a situation, you know, where he Thank was God. in where it was being required. So, but... He's, he's got a strong drive like his mother, so I feel quite confident that he'll he'll be okay on his on his path forward. Fantastic. And I suppose, I doubt that anybody has been in touch with you to offer him the jab, have they? Have they done that or have they just... Funny you should say that. I did receive a letter from the NHS this morning that I've yet to open, which I do believe will be exactly that. Right. Don't open it then. <laughs> Maybe don't open it. <laughs> Maybe don't. Maybe keep it for kindling. If the winter gets very cold and they turn off of a, they turn off our gas central heating, keep it for a bit of kindling. Yeah, they they Absolutely. don't they don't have my number, so they don't text me. I had three letters and then they then they they, uh, they dropped it. It's serious this Amy. Like like you said 11 years, so why this particular job? Is it just the informed consent or are you worried about the job? I'm worried about the jab in itself because it's an experiment. It's still in trial to 2023 and there's been no long-term studies done. Um, so that's what concerns me the most, most definitely. We don't know what it will do to people further down the road. This is the problem. Absolutely. I mean, we're already seeing the consequences of it. I, I mean, I speak from experience, not, you know, so-and-so told so-and-so. I know multiple people and I've lost count on just the hands that I own of people that have been affected or had a reaction and it comes from all sorts of things, from blood clots to strokes, to going blind, to people even passing away. So that's what gave me the drive that I needed to think, hold on a moment, this is super important to educate these children and their parents. Because if it's doing that to a fully formed adult body, what the hell is it going to do to a child who's still growing? Yeah. Brilliant question. Today, as like most days lately, doctors and, and various so-called experts 
are really pushing home the point about pregnant women. And I, I certainly shouldn't be, maybe I shouldn't be asking you these questions, but we're having a chat, you have an opinion, you're an educated woman. They, mm-hmm. It seems like they're going to town on pregnant women lately. They won't let up demanding that pregnant women uh, come forward. I find that a bit sinister. Now, um, you've been pregnant. How, how do you feel about that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't sit very comfortably with me either. Um, I do believe there has been uh, information shared of people that have been pregnant that have had the vaccine and then had problems with the child after birth and things. So, yeah, I'm completely not comfortable. That, and, and I agree, I would find that very sinister. Very, they're, very sinister. They're pushing us all hard, Amy. Um, you will be... I'm sure you do keep an eye on the independent media, uh, other programmes, maybe not this programme, but we're hearing from a lot of people lately, you know, qualified people, that they're really going to push hard to coerce every one of us to have it in terms of, you know, our jobs mm. maybe coming on the line, our ability to to go out and about. Um, how worried are you about that or have you enough to be worried about at the moment? To be honest, no. I mean, I'm concerned at the push and I really feel for those that are in jobs that are going to get kind of hit with that marker first off. Um, we also have a lot of people reach out to us that are doctors, nurses, um, care workers all you know sharing their concerns and we're trying to, our best to point them in the direction of those that are lawyers and solicitors that are best able to, to I feel um, quite blessed to be a part of an amazing network called the Freedom Network and through that it, it enables avenues of support um, for each other as well as um, helping us to to share that information and, and get those to those that are going to need it the most especially in regards to the vaccine passports because I think once that comes in into play there'll be another level of awakening I believe because I don't think people understand the severity of it and how much it's going to cause that segregation and division. And you're sure the the vaccine passport scheme is coming this winter you'd bet on it? I probably I wouldn't lay down a timeline on them because who knows what their sinister plans entail. But most definitely it's in the pipeline. And yeah, sooner or later, it's going to come into play and affect us all eventually, um, which is why I believe it's about people getting back to basics, getting back to, you know, knowing your community, supporting each other, you know, home growing of food. For a society that is not dependent on their corrupt society anymore. You're probably busy, so I won't keep you too much longer. I know you are because you're in transit. But give us um, a little bit more information about the Freedom Network. I know a little bit about it, but for our listeners who don't. Absolutely. So it's uh, the website is thefreedomnetwork.co.uk. It's an amazing, amazing place where everything is kind of decentralised um, and organic grassroots communities are coming together locally and, and building outwards. And it really is the place where the action and the support I feel is happening. And I would really strongly suggest that people jump on the website and, and take a look and see what they feel. And on that note, also the peace constables, they play a very important part of what we do going forward um, and enabling us to stand under common law and uh, hopefully in turn support these parents as and when unfortunately these these negative effects are going to come to play and and the information about peace constables and what they are it's all on the website yeah absolutely the peace constables is under the guardians300.com and all information can be found on that website so in in short just before you go then javid in your opinion has been telling porkies when he says that children have been injured by 
by outreach workers who want to raise awareness about the vaccines. He's not telling the truth. What you're doing is basically completely peaceful and you're doing what you see as your civic duty in informing people of the things that are being well kept from them. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's kind of ironic that he talks about us uh, physically harming children when actually that's what they're doing by their rollout scheme of this, this injection. It's quite ironic that the tables are being turned with information. If you have more time in the near future, Amy, when you're not in transit, come back on the programme. Let's have a chat. Let's do, uh, Absolutely. Let's do it again. I'd love that. Thank you for having me. Not at all. You safe travels, uh, safe driving. Thanks, Amy. That's Amy there, involved with the Freedom Network. Got in touch with us through uh, Candice and through Gaz, Gaz Ike, Gareth Ike, uh, to talk about, uh, well, to give the other side of that claim made by the Health Secretary, Sajid Javid, that people were, were injured, children, namely, uh, offered no evidence, mind, at um, some of what they call protests. But Amy said, well, it's outreach work. It's work to to educate people, to tell them the things that the UK media is not telling them about their rights and about what these jabs uh, contain and why they need to be informed before they submit to taking one of these jabs. Nice to have Amy on the programme. It's 27 minutes past six o'clock and this is Natalie Imbruglia. And I'm the BBG. Alright, there you are. Nice to be with you this Wednesday. Enjoying the show today. Natalie Imbruglia torn on the Richie Allen radio show. It is exactly 28 and a half minutes to the top of the hour. The Richie Allen Show is the world's most popular independent news radio show. Listen on demand via your regular podcast provider. Yes, do listen on demand via your regular podcast provider. Do that if you don't get to listen live. You can listen via podcast. It's on podomatic.com. That's richieallen.podomatic.com. It does then go to other podcast providers if you have one. Alrighty. Christine is in Limavady in Derry. How you doing, Christine? A good friend of ours. Richie, I'm not sure who, but some member of Parliament said that COVID is likely to rise as a result of the COP20 thing in Glasgow. I can't remember his name. Christine, you are right. And I, merciful, I can't, merciful, I can't remember either. You're right, somebody did say that. Uh, Thank you. My pal Phil has sent me, that's Phil in Florida, he sent me prescription instructions for ivermectin. Now, Philip, no, I can't read that stuff out. I'll be, they'll come for me. I can't, but if you want to find out about things like that, go to alldaychemist.com. But I'm not reading out the protocol for ingesting ivermectin, because if I do, I could be in trouble. You coward, are you, BBG? No, I'm not. I I just box clever. Why give them the rope to hang me with, you know? You know? Anywho, back to the website richieallen.co.uk. David Keane says, Richie, there's a big protest in London on Saturday, Hyde Park at one o'clock. It is an anti-vaccine passport March, Hyde Park, London at one o'clock. Thank you, David. I wasn't aware of that. Thank you. Thank you for uh, reaching out there, David. Okay, I've missed a lot of, a lot of, of messages. Alan is in Liverpool, the base ninja himself. He says, Richie, if there is an anti-vaxxer movement, then Saddam Hussein had WMDs and Epstein did kill himself. I see what you did there. Yes, Jeffrey Epstein. 
Watch the documentary on Sky about Hunsetter. Have you seen it? Let me just... Uh, I've got to bring it up there now. I'm bringing it up there now because I'm useless. Do you know, is it because it isn't vital information? Do you find this happening to you? Please tell me you do because if you tell me it's happening to you, I might sleep a bit easier. My recall has become fairly bad. But, 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 I'm not yet rushing for a neural scan because I'm still remembering things I need to remember, like facts that I need to remember for the programme. But I watch a television show. And the following day, I go to tell somebody about it and I turn into the future Mrs. Allen who has her entire life been absolutely useless when it comes to relaying information about a film or, or a bit of music. She's brilliant, Caroline. Starts off conversations. Oh, we saw a fantastic film last night. Obviously, the other person says, which one? Uh, well, uh, yeah, well, your man was in it. Your man, your man. And uh, yeah, your woman, yeah. <laughs> That's the way it goes, right? This is happening to me. We watched a, fil- a documentary on Sky about, about it, it's called The Priest and the Paedophile. It just came back to me. The Priest, I'm typing it in now because I don't have a producer, you see. Don't have one. It's just me. I do it all. And The Paedophile, why is it not coming up? Or is it The Paedophile and The Priest? No, it would have to be The Priest and The Paedophile, wouldn't it? No, it wouldn't be. Oh, God. Anyway, it's good. That's all you need to know. It's good. It'll come back to me in a moment. It'll come back to me in a moment. It was a big case back in 2002, wasn't it? A big murder case about a young man who was alleged to have drowned a vicar in a, in a, in a, in a bath. He was staying with the vicar. He was 16 or 17 at the time. And he went to prison for drowning the vicar. But then his conviction was quashed wasn't it? Because he then claimed that the vicar had sexually abused him. That he was having a bath, the vicar came in to the to the bathroom, he struck the vicar, who banged his head, he fell into the bathtub and drowned. And then the protagonist of the documentary, the guy who's still in jail now, he took the vicar to a place and chopped him up and buried him. <clears throat> so anyway, he got off. In the real in the retrial he got off. But then he turned into a paedophile hunter and he killed another man and he's still in jail to this day. Now you know exactly what I'm talking about but I don't because my recall has disappeared. Oh dear listener, it's gone. Never to be gotten back. I used to regale people with things, films and music that I had seen years ago. Now I'm dreadful. I'm absolutely dreadful. I'm garbage. But there you go. Dougal says... The courts in the United States are clogged up, but then so are the courts in the UK. The cause is political intervention, closures and reduction in staffing. The selling off of court buildings, the reduction in legal aid is uh, making it very difficult for the ordinary litigant to pursue action. Court timetabling is months behind and staff under considerable pressure, are not dealing with matters as efficiently as a litigant might reasonably expect. Good comment, Dougal. And this programme talked at length some years ago about the constant chipping away at the Legal Aid Fund, the reduction of legal aid, which is an affront to justice, isn't it, of course? Legal aid is vital because most people can't afford to hire solicitors. Not just some people, most people. And legal aid is vital.
But um, yes, they've chipped away at that for many years. I wonder why, said Curtis Tigers. I wonder why indeed. Absolutely. Okay. I'm going to take another piece of music. Then when I come back, we're going to do something completely different. This is David Soul. Ah, David Soul, Silver Lady, on the Richie Allen Show, 19 minutes to the top of the year. I've remembered now, of course I've remembered now. Of course I've remembered. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm lying. You've caught me in a lie. I think it's the first lie that I've told you in seven years and one month. Seven years, one and a half months. Of course I looked it up. I had no choice but to look it up. I couldn't think of the name of it, but it's very good anyway. Let me tell you what it's called. Oh, be, be cheapers. It's called The Priest and the Pedophile Hunter. And it's about Christopher Honeset, who is now Crystal Honeset, who murdered a vicar in 2002 in a bizarre case. There are people who listen to this programme. They've been, I suppose, interested in paedophile gangs and paedophile clubs and institutional pedophilia, Westminster paedophile gangs. So they will probably know quite a bit more about the case, maybe, because it's such a strange case. But back in 2002, this troubled young man, Christopher Honeset, was found guilty of murdering a vicar called Ronald Glazebrook, the Reverend Ronald Glazebrook, right? So he was living with the vicar, which is kind of strange because he wasn't getting on well at home. He was a bit of a, as I said, a bit of a problem child. So he's living with the vicar and he was found guilty of murdering him. The 80, the, he was 81, this vicar, 81 years, 81 years of age. And he was drowned in a bath. And as I said, his body was dismembered and was buried around East Sussex. Right, that's the way it was, right? Okay, cut and dry. But a few years later, 2010, I was in Spain at the time when he was given a retrial. In 2010, after spending the best part of eight years in jail, he uh, alleged that he'd been sexually abused by Glazebrook and was acquitted by a jury at a retrial, which was a big deal at the time, right? But amazingly, only a few months after coming out of prison, with the conviction quashed, Honeset tried to set up paedophiles online. He styled himself as a paedophile hunter and set up this guy called Bick and arranged to meet this guy Bick. And when he did, it resulted in this guy Bick being bludgeoned to death with a mallet or a hammer or something. This is incredible. You couldn't write this stuff now. This is where, where truth is stranger uh, than fiction. So bang to rights for that, given a life sentence. And in the interim period, between going to jail for the murder of this guy Bick, this guy Christopher Honeset uh, mutilated his genitals and basically identifies now as a woman and is now known as Crystal Honeset. And this story is the basis of a new two-part documentary for Sky, which is really well made. It's fascinating. Like, you get every angle of it. You get the police who believe this guy, Honeset, is a monster. You get other people. You get the barristers who say, well, maybe not. There's something else going on with this chap. But it's a really interesting story. If you happen to be with Sky, as I am, I am for the foosball. 
I'm with Sky for the foosball and as a result I get these other channels as well and I do get to watch some of this stuff. I don't watch an awful lot of um, silly entertainment stuff. I tend to watch non-fiction stuff and and sport really. But it's an interesting one. You might remember the case. And as I said, people who listen to this programme who have watched with interest the unearthing of various paedophile gangs and awful stuff of that nature will remember this case. In fact, I I shouldn't say, because I might be wrong, but maybe once discussing this kind of thing with, um, with uh, David Icke and maybe others, I think this this person, Honeset, came up, as I said, who goes now by she and is Crystal Honeset and is in jail. There are ongoing attempts, by the way, to get Crystal Honeset out of prison. So there might be more uh, to tell in that story ongoing. It's very interesting anyway. If you're looking for a bit of true crime that's well made... Yeah, you could do worse than check that out. It's uh, 14 minutes to 7 o'clock. This is your Richie Allen Show. With me, your uh, BBG. I suppose with a little bit of time to chat with you, I can give a plug to Sunday Morning Melodies, which takes place every Sunday at 10 o'clock UK time from BBG Towers. That's UK time. It's uh, raising songs and stories. It's me playing songs from yesteryear that I like with one or two stories around those songs some of the things that make those songs interesting it's interactive too you can chat chat away with me on social media it's never archived because of copyright issues it's uh, 10 o'clock Sunday and then it's repeated later on during the day if you haven't checked that out you might want to, to, to check it out let me go back to your comments thanks for them you can interact with me during the programme top of the page it's a comment live leave a comment and I will read them out as I go along Richard says I don't have a television isn't it funny that is something else that I am hearing a lot lately from people a lot and whereas I used to be a little bit suspicious when somebody said oh, I don't have a telly don't have one Richie not because I'm somebody who automatically assumes that everybody is lying to me. I don't. But tellies are, well, they've become so entrenched in our lives. I find it, gen- I genuinely find it bizarre when somebody says, no, Richie, I eschewed the telly. But I'm inclined to believe them. More and more people are telling me they don't have a telly. I couldn't do this programme without a telly. It, it's got to be stated. I couldn't do this programme without a telly. Cherry says, Richie, bananas are brain food. Potassium, brain food. Lots of data going through that great brain of yours this weather. Give it some nourishment. Have some bananas. Why not? Plenty of bananas at BBG Towers. Yes, the oft-mentioned missus likes a banana or two. God, there are so many opportunities for double entendres there. I should just leave that one well enough alone. Philip says, Richie, I saw today that we need to drop Hotel California from our playlists. The Eagles have a concert in Seattle in November and they are mandating that all concert goers should be fully vaxxed. That is truly sad, says Phil in Johannesburg. Good evening, Phil in Johannesburg. Phil, I did see that story. It was announced in late August, I think. And I just, I just... I despair, Phil. I despair. What can you do? Springsteen is back on Broadway and he's insisting that attendees 
show proof of being double jabbed. It's dreadful stuff, Phil. What way to bring me down by reminding me that the Eagles want to double jab? If they don't want to double jab, but they are insisting that the concert goers are double jabbed. It's dreadful. It's dreadful stuff. We talked about this before. Musicians and comedians were traditionally were on the <clears throat> excuse me. They were always on the battle line against tyranny, weren't they? Whatever it was, South Africa is a great example. Many musicians, to their eternal credit, many performers refused to set foot in South Africa. Well, at least not to perform there for the white minority uh, people, whether it be rich people, whether it be concert promoters in South Africa. Sports teams refused to go down there. You're right, comics. I've bored you to death many times talking about my dismay that, to use that word again, dismay, that comics have not taken on COVID. It's wretched. We sat down on Friday and for the first time in many, many, many months, we stuck on Have I Got News For You, which, again, I'm sorry for coughing at you. Bear with me, will you, just a second? Ah, that's lovely. It was hosted on Friday by Joe Brand. I've always liked Joe Brand. Sounded very funny. Great at delivering a line. Great stand-up, I believe. But again, they're all gone. She hosted Merton. Paul Merton and Ian Hislop were, were, were captaining the teams as usual. You had Rylan on one of the teams. Rylan... Rylan is famous for being gay and camp and he was on a reality TV show some years ago and he was outrageous and he loved everybody, Rylan, so somebody decided to make him a celebrity. So they've made a celebrity out of Rylan. Rylan is is even more bronze than Dale Winton. You might think it's impossible for any man or woman ever to be darker in skin tone than the late great Dale Winton. But Ryland has managed to carry it off. Uh, living on a sunbed, getting sprayed, I have no idea how they manage it, but he's managed it. He's incredibly brown. Ryland was on there, as was, would you believe it, the utterly despicable Robert Peston, the ITV political editor. What an arsehole he is. Anyway, I said to the uh, future missus, I said, look, let's, Stick on, have I got news for you? And let's just give it a chance. Maybe tonight, maybe, they will rip into the arbitrary COVID bollocks that we've had to endure for the last 18, 19 months. But of course they didn't. Everything is up for grabs if you're a comedian on the BBC, except COVID, except vaccine mandates. Who'd have believed that there would be a stony silence from the world of comedy and from the world of music about vaccine passports. Who would have believed it? I know you're shouting at me. You're saying Roger Waters, Richie. Yeah, okay. You're saying Van the Man, Richie. Okay. Legacy acts. But what about today's chart toppers? What about today's pick of the pops? As Tony Blackburn might say. Where are they? Where are these people saying, listen, what's going on? Where's Adele, who sells millions of records a week or a month? Where's Ed Sheeran, 
in the UK, these people who sell extraordinary amounts of, of albums, even physical albums these days, as well as digital downloads, where are they? Saying, what? Really? You're going to tell people that they will lose their jobs on, unless they have a vax? We, we won't have that. Let's have a concert. Where's the concert? Where's the free concert out in the open air? by the nation's most successful young musicians to say we will not tolerate any talk of vaccine passports. David said there will be a march in Hyde Park on Saturday at one o'clock. Lovely, fantastic. Where are the musicians who, who say, I'll go along? Sting might have done it. I don't believe he would have done it, but back in the 80s, does anybody remember the Conspiracy of Hope tour? Amnesty International? You know, taking on taking on human rights issues like apartheid in South Africa. Where, where are they in the summer and autumn of 2021? It pains me. Dave Chappelle has, has put himself in the firing line with the, with the, the cancel culture mob because he said something about sex being biologically, biological sex being something that's important. He said in a Netflix special, this has caused ructions, of course, as it usually does. But but there's more going on, Dave. You know, t threatening 100 million workers in America with their jobs if they don't have a, a, an untested, unlicensed, potentially very dangerous medicine. Why, why have you got nothing to say about that? So, yeah, it does depress me, that. I mean, the only comedy you've heard in 18 months in 19 months, the only comedy, the only satire you've heard about COVID has been on this programme. And I am not, again, sending myself flowers. I'm the only, I'm not a comedian, of course I'm not a comedian, but I'm the only person who's taken it on. In that way. Laughed at it. Laughed at stuff. Belly laughed at stuff. And sent it up for how absolutely ridiculous it is. But, um... Like, 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 like this bollocks. Whilst it is in human nature to engage in conversation with others, to be friendly, um, unfortunately, this is not the time to do that. Like that nonsense. I had the vaccine. It put me in hospital for a day. But I haven't moaned. I've had the second one. And it put me in hospital for another day. But I'd much rather have that than COVID. Yeah, I'd rather go to hospital each time I've had a jab than have COVID. Why on earth should somebody who has refused to have it take a bed that I might need if I have a bad reaction to it? I've been laughing at this for 18 months. But I can't think of a, of, of a, of a famous comedian, actor, or, or current successful musician who's taken it on. If I'm wrong, tell me. And sure, who knows, maybe we might even reach out to him or her and invite them only to be turned down inevitably as it is, you know. Absolutely right. Now, got a song for you. You ready for it? I'm closing out the programme with it. And um, it's Blind Joe. Blind Joe was on the programme last week. What a legend. What a fantastic guy. Uh, and we, we played his song, his big anti-lockdown song, which is fantastic. And we'll play it again. But during the conversation with Blind Joe, he said to me that he'd written a song for the love of his life, Leanne, who's been there with him through thick and thin, through his, um, through his drinking years. We've all had them. But Joe hit the bottle hard at one time in his life. And Leanne has been there for him. And uh, he loves her. He loves her to bits. And uh, he says to me, I wrote a song for her, Richie. And I said, well, Richie, do, 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 do me a favour. I said, send it over to me 
and uh, I'll play it at some stage next week so I'm going to play it now as I close out the programme Blind Joe before I play it by the way it's called Light of Her Love Blind Joe check out Blind Joe online check him out on Twitter there's only one Blind Joe and I did ask him to come back on the programme because he was such a tonic I said come back before Christmas Joe we'll have a proper uh, shindig We'll have a chin wag and a shindig. We'll, we'll talk about lots of different things. He said he would come uh, back. Uh, you can find his music online. You can find it at Blind Joe. Uh, it's blindjoe.com, isn't it? Is it blindjoe.com? Let me just check that now, in case I make a bags of it. But I think it might be blindjoe.com. It could be uh, website, website. Come on, Richie, get your arse in gear, son. Let me check that. Is it blindjoe.com? It's blindjoe.com. Of course, it is the legend from Nashville. Closing out, thanks again, by the way, to Dr. Eric Naputi. Thank you, Eric. And thanks to Amy for coming on the Freedom Project. Thanks to Amy for that. We'll close out with Blind Joe. Um, light of her love, dedicated to his better half, Leanne. You and I will talk again tomorrow for Thursday's programme, 5 o'clock. Thanks for listening today. Look after yourselves and one another. <laughs>